Hey, beautiful people, and welcome to the Concealed Scars podcast. On today's episode, our topic is on lupus. Lupus is a disease that occurs when your body's immune system attacks your own tissues and organs. Some of the symptoms include fatigue, fever, joint pain, and a sign could be a butterfly rash on your face. Lupus occurs in 9 out of 10 women. It's often diagnosed between the ages of 15 to 45 and is more common in African Americans, Hispanics, and Asian Americans. Today's episode, I have Ms. Gabrielle Davis and Victoria Roberts. Ladies, thank you for coming and welcome to my podcast. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, it doesn't matter who goes first. One of you can just introduce yourselves a little bit and tell us a little bit what, what you do and all that good stuff. Um, I guess I'll go. <laughs> okay, okay. Victoria Roberts. I am um, currently, you know, in Jacksonville, Florida, but I also, you know, float between the Tampa Bay area. Um, I am a engineer uh, working in the defense contracting industry. Um, as far as my lupus journey, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, some, you know, this is, it's kind of a, a new thing for me still, kind of, I'm still adjusting to it. I was only diagnosed a couple years ago, mm-hmm. even though I've had symptoms for, oh, almost over, you know, 13 years now. And I just didn't know what it was. And, you know, at the time doctors didn't together. Mm-hmm. So I'll just start with my first set of symptoms. Is that okay? And then just yeah, the time yeah. and how we got to this point. Yeah. Um. I remember at the time in, you know, 2008, I just remember getting um, hives, Mm -hmm. um, symmetrical hives over my body. I didn't know what it was at the time. I was not living in Florida. I was in um, the Midwest and I figured, oh, it must be from temperature or some type of shock. So I would just be sitting around. The next thing I know, I'm just this uncontrollable, symmetric itch, big hive on, you know, on my body. And then I also noticed, you know, some some of my moods and then just one time I was just getting ready for work and I was just so exhausted like I could just couldn't even hold up my body so for years you know this kind of um back and forth between the hives and the the fatigue and sometimes I couldn't even get up out the bed you know I'd be at work showing up at like nine o'clock they were like oh okay and they probably <laughs> thought I was lazy <laughs> but I'm like I just could not get up and move um a little ache you know, just some of those things. And finally, I had a friend when I was breaking out, she was a nurse. She was like, you need to go see an allergist. And I was like, for what? She was like, for the rash. And I, cause I had no clue what it was. She was like, you clearly have some type of allergic reaction. Okay. So I go to the allergist and she's, you know, we do the test and I have like almost every allergy under the sun. And I was like, why is this happening? She was like, it just happens sometimes. And so while we were doing the test for my appointment, she, you know, she said, come here. You know, she said, stand up. And she's squeezing my hands and she's squeezing my joints and shaking me. She's like, do you have any pain in your joints? How do you feel? Do you have any fever? I was like, you know, no, I don't have anything. I'm fine. She was like, well, I also tested you for lupus and you. And I was like, well, what is that? I heard of um, the, I guess, disease, but mm-hmm. I have never, you know, known anything about it. You know, hear people say autoimmune disease. Like I remember they say 
I think Venus Williams has autoimmune disease as well. And, you know, they say she's tired. I think uh, Tony Braxton as well. She has it, you know. And I remember that season on the, the one season I did watch, she was always in the bed. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she was telling me and I thought I was just for the die. So I just belligerently started crying and I just didn't know what to do with myself. And she was just like, no. So, you know, and then from there I go to the rheumatologist and then I had a, you know, now I start understanding some of the flare-ups, like with my hair thinning and sometimes I'll have a fever and I'm not sick. And then I had an instance where my hair did fall out. Um, like literally all of my edges just fell out. I woke up one day and I didn't have any hair and I was just like, what's wrong? So, you know, just going back and forth through the, through the years with that issue and Luckily, everything I have, I've been able to find some type of closure for it and deal with it. So now um, a lot of my issues, you know, my hair is thinning, but I'm not really worried about that. And then I get into the hard part about my journey, which was um, fertility. So, you know, going to my OBG and asking her if something's wrong, you know, something's wrong. And she's like, we finally did the test and she was like, yeah, your antibodies is really high on your ovaries and we having some problems with that. So now I'm in the journey dealing with that. So I wouldn't say that my life is hampered or diminished by any means, but I still have my daily struggles. And some of those things are just, you know, a part of the, I guess what goes with the territory with Luke. For the most part, I have been able to continue this journey without medication. I do not take a lot of the medications. Typically, um, I think the steroids that they prescribe to um, patients. So I'm just, I'm just take this blessing and take the triumphs that go along with it and just move forward with it. So that's my lupus journey. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you're not in as much pain and you kind of getting through everything and you're not on like a ton of medication because not a lot of people can say that and that's with any disease right the fact that you're on like just a couple to kind of maintain some stability is good so yeah um i think the hardest thing for me like i said is the fertility struggle um Mm -hmm. or if that even exists for me but i do know that you know i have my days i'm not going to lie i have my moods i have you know there's the times when I just, you know, I stay in the house and I don't feel like being bothered. I, I don't have the energy. Like, I'm not, you know, some, and I've had issues with my friends who don't understand it, you know. Yeah. And for a long time, they didn't. They were like, hey, I'm not coming to your birthday party. I'm tired. You know, I, I don't have the energy. Or I tell my job, no, I'm not doing this extra ex- task. I don't have the energy. So that was a part of the social struggle is not feeling like I can't be the person that I used to be. And I'm a shell of who I used to be and just, you know, the mental adjustment to who I am and not who I used to be. And so that's a part of any, you know, struggle with any, you know, medical or health ailment. But, you know, I take it in stride and I just accept the blessing of life and, you know, health that I do have. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're you're here and that you're allowing people to listen to your story because you can be helping somebody that may have just be in the same boat that you are or trying to figure out what to do next and how to get through it so I'm glad both of you are here to tell your story and allowing me 
to share your story with everybody else. And as I talk, and that's how I got, you know, beside, you know, from when we was at FAMU, but, you know, Gabrielle has her story to segue, you know, someone's connected me with her and say, hey, you know, she has this journey as well, and she's a big advocate. So it's nice to have someone that you can talk to about it because she's been going through it, you know, longer than I have. Well, Ms. Gabrielle. Yes. <laughs> That segues into you. Would you like telling the people a little bit about doing your journey for me? Of course. Um, my name is Gabriel Davis. I um, let's see. What what do I do? Um, <laughs> I am in marketing. I am a communication specialist for an engineering firm here in Orlando. Um, based in Orlando and I am married with a toddler son who just turned 20 and that is a mouthful because you know being a wife and a mother and a full-time worker has a lot of uh, challenges. I was uh, diagnosed officially in uh, July 2009. Um, like Victoria, I feel like I had a lot of the symptoms, even as early as in college. Um, there were times that I was not wanting to get out of bed, and I just really associated that with being a college student and, you know, <laughs> having, you know, late assignments, being up the night before, maybe writing a paper, or if I was out. You know what I'm saying? Be out in the streets late or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I never associated with anything, but I did notice that, you know, one of my main phrases I feel like I was telling people is like, I'm just so tired. I'm just like so tired. And I think the reason why I was really able to get through college the way I was because, you know, I built in gaps and stuff where I could take naps. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'd be napping during the day or um, napping at some point during, you know, the weekend where, you know, I would take a nap and that would be enough for me at the time. Um, and so, but I was officially diagnosed in July, 2009. And the way I found out that I had lupus is that, you know, February that same year, um, Valentine's Day, I was getting ready for Valentine's because it would be my first Valentine's Day with my husband. And, uh, you know, wanted to be extra special. And it was kind of nervous because I was really wanting it to be this big thing, be an overthinker. And um, I was noticing that I was having body aches and I just felt like the Tin Man. I was just super tired um, and achy and inflamed and not really knowing what was going on. I was just popping Tylenol that day and hoping that that pain would go away and I'd be ready for the night. And by the end of the night, of course, I was not ready. and. Um, I call myself trying to be smart and proactive and I booked myself a massage that day um, before I headed to Tampa because he was living in Tampa at the time and I was in Orlando. And that was like the worst thing I could have done <laughs> because I basically ended up spreading that inflammation throughout my whole body. And by the end of the night, I was in the ER and not in anybody's uh, restaurant or else or anything else. I was in the um, ER. And I ended up staying there for about four days because they were trying to figure out what's going on with me. You know, if you were to look into how much, you know, the medical industry knows about lupus, they know very little. They get maybe an hour or two collectively about lupus, period. 
And so, you know, they had to run some tests and things like that. And what they found was that my white blood cells were out of whack. That's all they really could tell me. And then that was severely dehydrated. And so I left the hospital, you know, about three or four days later with that kind of information. Thank God I had a Hispanic doctor as my primary doctor at the time. And, you know, his patient population were pretty much brown and black people. And he was able to diagnose me, given the information that he had from the hospital with connective tissue disease, which is like a general way of kind of getting to lupus, but not having, a, you know, the nail or the test to really pin it down. And mm-hmm. so he sent me to a rheumatologist a few months after that. So there was a little challenge in between diagnosis. But by the time I got to my rheumatologist and, you know, got some of the tests that Victoria had done, I too came up with a positive um, positive test that, you know, diagnosed me with lupus. And, you know, <laughs> it was hard to deal with. You know, I was still very young, um, very much a newlywed and very much in denial. Um, you know, just to skip to the timeline of to where I'm now, you know, lupus can be a very aggressive and progressive disease. And, you know, I just gotten over this sense of being diagnosed that I was then hit with, you probably have some kidney involvement at this point, um, you know, because my my uh, doctors were also making sure that, you know, nothing else was getting involved. And I'm, mm-hmm. my kidneys got hit. And so um, I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum of Victoria, where I am having to take a lot of medications and do a lot of things to maintain Way. definitely had some fertility challenges um, I have a son through surrogacy so that was a different avenue that's possible for lupus patients and you know not through the traditional um, yeah. having a um, but yeah so you know with the kidney disease unfortunately I've had to be on dialysis for about the last six years or so um, thankfully that treatment is going well um, as well as it can be and um, I'm here living, thriving, making it work um, with lupus and, and living the life that I want to live. I love it here. Like, y'all <laughs> are amazing. <laughs> like, y'all are really amazing. Because I know nothing about lupus until I contacted the both of you. And I had to go do some research because I've heard of it. And I've seen like the celebrities with it, like Tony Braxton, but I never really like known anyone personally that has had it or has it. You so, know, as I say, the thing about lupus, you know, cause I don't know anyone. I've, you know, I hear, it's kind of similar. I hear about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of those, you know, it's so funny that it's so prominent within our community, but we don't talk about it. Because That's true. The minute I came out and started saying, "Hey," because mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I didn't just shout to the to the world. Like, yeah, I have, you know, <laughs> but you know, the minute I start being more out about it, then I get people, you know, in my message, "Hey, I have it too," mm-hmm. or I have. Mm-hmm. Now she was just recently. She, me and her were talking over the past couple months, and she's like, "Yep, they officially diagnosed me," and she's forty. Yeah. So. <clears throat> You know, and now, you know, you branching out and we're talking about it more because it affects us, especially as black women, so much more we talk about, you know. We know we talk about diabetes and high blood pressure and all of those mm-hmm. things. We don't talk about lupus and definitely not, you know, I'm learning infertility. 
So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, you know, we can definitely spread the communication around that and that we can get more women to talk about it and actually hopefully someone to say, hey, I'm having these symptoms. Where do I go? Because, you know, like I said, I had li- so if I had if I think about the timeline to when I first was diagnosed, I mean, I'm sorry, when I first started seeing the symptom in my mind, recollecting to when I was diagnosed, that was a lapse of eight years. Mm-hmm. So for eight years long, you know, feeling sick, you know, having these illnesses, um, not knowing what it was. And eight years later, finally, you know, I get someone to properly diagnose me. So I would like to have that shortened for, you know, our community to where mm-hmm. I'm having this problem. I have this issue. You need to go to the rheumatologist. You need to do this. You need to do that. And another thing is that it sucks, but you know, healthcare, rheumatologists are specialists. They are expensive and they are hard to get appointments with sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's I mean, the <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, from the time, you know, my allergies diagnosed me to I can get the first appointment, it was like two, three months. Yes, oh, that's exactly yeah. right. That's how long it was for me. That's how long it takes that long to get into a rheumatologist because there are just not that many of them. There, nobody really wants to be a rheumatologist. There's just not enough to go around. And I find that crazy that we're both in Florida and there's nothing but the elderly population here. And they definitely need rheumatologists, but absolutely, they're just not available. That's And, you know, access to health care, you know, um, it's something across the board that, you know, black and brown people have a problem with. And that's why, you know, I try to do my best when I, you know, go in these places with people who don't look like us, like pharmaceutical companies, you know, organizations and things. I try to make sure that there is a minority component and there is an access and health equity component because that's very real. You know, it's a very real issue. Like even at doing outreach, you know, where we, you know, come on, black people, they go to health fairs. You know, a lot of us, that's our only doctor visit for the year. And I try to make sure that I'm there or somebody with lupus or lupus organization is there because you know that's where we need to be and you know it's kind of like my a part of my mission as an advocate to make sure that those people are being seen because I really do believe like when you help the most vulnerable population you're helping the entire population and so that's why you know I'm glad that Victoria you you know you decided that you want to speak up and speak out and you will find it's like six degrees of separation once you say that word it's like everybody pumps up the woodwork you know what i'm saying and you find that you do have a community and that's what i love about it there's a community out there for us um to help support and to you know get the word out as well yeah because i'm gonna be honest i don't even know what a rheumatologist is (laughs) I've learned about a rheumatologist and I, for this whole time the person who I thought did kidneys was a urologist Cause I, and I learned that from Grayson but <laughs> now, that is not that person no it's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah we've definitely been educated over the years right <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a new word. I don't even think I've heard of it. <laughs> I mean, even so funny when I um when my hair was falling out, I went to the dermatologist, and I was like, girl, you gotta fix this. 
And she's like, I don't know what this is. So I did a biopsy. Uh-huh. And from there, she was like, you need to go to a rheumatologist. Uh-huh. I, like, I have a, I'm fine. You know, because you guys think over these years, unless it stopped me from, unless I woke up bleeding out my mouth sometimes or I couldn't move, I figured, you know, in, in the layman's mindset, you're fine. Uh-huh. So I was like, girl, I'm fine. She's like, no, ma'am, no, you're not. So she was able to find, you know, that out for me from the biopsy in my head. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just learning, you know, so much about the body and granted, I should have paid more attention to anatomy, but, you know, just how it works and so many different specialties and going back and forth. I like, I get my lab reports um, before, you know, I go to the doctor, I'm reading and analyzing it myself now at this point. So... I mean, that's just, you know, how much I have to, well, I've just, I'm kind of nosy, but I just, how much <laughs> I need to take care of, you know. Yeah. I want to know what's going on mm-hmm. before the doctor tells me. No, that's good. Because then you know what questions to ask. Too, oh, yeah. I feel like something's not right. You read up on it yourself because they might not tell you everything. Although they're yeah. supposed to, but, you know. And you, you learn you have to be your advocate. I've, you know, you really have to. And that's why I took it upon myself to make sure, you know, I read my labs. And I'm in there asking questions. I print them out and I get them like, what's this? And what does this say? And who is this? <laughs> you know, and what are we doing about this? So I've learned to be my advocate for my health. And I'll jump a doctor to another doctor to another doctor, like, you know, if I need to. No, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, learned that earlier on in your journey because a lot of us are hesitant to do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We've been so conditioned to take the doctor's want. word for it and to, you know, because they're the expert, right? But you are the expert on your body. You know, you are the one who um, knows what's going on the aches and pains and stuff and that's like when people ask me for my advice that's the one of two things that i tell them is you must be your own advocate you got to yeah because even these doctors are human you know and they make mistakes they are not the end all and be all correct that's true and they make lots of mistakes um (laughs) not not in a bad way they're nice people and I think some of them, you know, really, you know, try to do their best, but mm-hmm. sometimes they get inundated. You know, they have five people yes. for one appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I the doctor where the doctor is looking at my labs when they walk in. So they have it yeah. to sit and look yeah. for things I need them to look for. So mm-hmm. I say I'm my advocate, I'm my advocate. Like I had to be my advocate with my OBG about the infertility part. I'm like this. This is not right. Something's wrong, and I had to get her to pay attention to for her. Like, oh my god, yes, you know. So, just something about you know just the whole American healthcare system that you don't think about until you're in this position where you need that daily care and you need people to really pay attention to what's going on with your body because one slip up or one miss can have me in the hospital for something they should have been able to. Care. Mm-hmm. Again, not you know downing um, 
our medical professionals because you know they went to yeah. school and did a lot but that's just something about it you know the u.s healthcare does need some work mm-hmm. and that's why i say you know you have to be your own advocate and that's why you know in um an advocate like Gab- gabrielle does is very important that people have someone that they can see and talk to and who's outward about it so they can know granted she's no doctor but they can ask her questions that she can help you and guide you there mm-hmm. and if you don't know and you don't say nothing you're in a state of illness and you don't want to get you know have it be too late before you know you're able to see someone and find out something is wrong yeah you definitely do. You don't want to sit on that and I see us as you know light bearers you know kind of a flashlight for our doctors they're in the dark about this because of the their background because of their education like i mentioned earlier they're not educated in this and so you know when we give them you know we really do need to look at this we really do need to look at that it helps them along the way you're helping them be a better doctor so for those who are hesitant to challenge the doctors and there are some with egos and those need to be fired and just like victoria i've done the same thing um but for those who are willing to learn and listen and to work with you you know, take this opportunity to um, educate them um, about what's going on. You know, we're pointing them in the right direction. And then sometimes as the black community or just black women, when we say something's wrong or something's not right, it's downplayed. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's also another issue. Like we know when something's not right and the fact that you're supposed to be my doctor but you're downplaying what i'm telling you is an issue exactly um (laughs) i think it's something about that i i'm not in the medical profession so i don't know and we know you know the history of racial medical history yes yeah (laughs) this pretty and it's still practiced today (laughs) correct (laughs) So when, like I said, I have a, a thing about going off on people in the most <laughs> possible. And I've had to do this a few times with these doctors because you know what they'll do? I say something's wrong. Well, go labs. And then the labs, the labs look fine. So are you sure it's, mm-hmm. it's are you sure you, you have something wrong? And so they let the lab work be the end all be all, which, mm-hmm. you know, as I do my research in my unlicensed medical professional self, <laughs> I'm like, that no, that is not the end all be all. Labs, they tell the full story. Exactly. I mean, you can be diagnosed for something and the lab is not in your lab report. That's right. I think the one silver lining about us, Victoria, is that the test that they did use actually came up positive mm-hmm. and we were able to you know, at least move forward with the diagnosis and get to the next steps of what we need to do. A lot of people are in that cycle for a long time and they're gaslit by these doctors because they're depending solely on these labs as their one official document to say yay or nay for lupus or whatever. And we know now that that's a part of many pieces of things that need to be fit in the puzzle to be diagnosed with lupus. It's mm-hmm. not the only, the ANA test is what they call it. And they're looking for certain things that also goes along with their symptoms and other things that they look at to see if you can be, or should be officially diagnosed with lupus. So, um, you know, for those doctors who are just leaning on paperwork, that's lazy. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, there's lazy people in every field. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, they have you know some pretty high stakes. Um, but yeah, so it's important to know that that to not again not just take word and laugh. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a prime example. So recently, of course, I had my rheumatologist appointment. My ANA is now um, positive. No, it's negative. Mm. I forgot which one says you don't have lupus. I'm just so used to it now. But rheumatoid factor is sky high. Mm. So if I didn't have that rheumatologist, you know, checking for that factor and they just only look for the ANA, they'd be like, oh, you're fine. Mm-hmm. But luckily, the rheumatoid factor is high. So where he's like, oh, you know, we need to monitor you. You know, you're kind of flaring up or you're having some issues. I'm like, granted, I feel fine, but your body is not. So mm-hmm. this is one of those, you know, things. Stop looking at just these lab reports and this test to tell you something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the big picture that you have to look at. So and that's the same thing. And, you know, kind of segueing into dealing with the family. So now when I um, got these, when I first got diagnosed, I was looking at my family members very sideways because I'm like, somebody in here not telling the truth, Mm. but somebody is walking around with this disease and not saying nothing. (laughs) That was definitely my next question due to the family. (laughs) And the reason I was talking about last because now when I said something, I remember asking my mom, she was like, you know, I don't know. I take fish oils for my arthritis and I'm just like, ma'am, that no. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) well what else? He's like, man, that's all it. And then, you know, I finally talked to my sister and she actually has fibromyalgia. So now I'm starting to get to, you know, probably which side this runs on and, you know, other things that um Mm -hmm. other health factors. So I think with the family, because our community, we don't know much about the disease. They was just like, what's that? <laughs> you know, unless they knew, you know, someone who had it, they're like, yeah, I think so-and-so has it. But, you know, no one knows. And I just have to tell him, I was like, you see why? Remember when I was sleeping on the couch doing the barbecue? Oh, that's why I'm extremely tired. And just you know, trying to get them to understand how it works and trying to figure out, you know, which side of the family it comes from. But, you know, it's just, this is a big story. But overall, like I said, there is no one in my immediate family that I know has lupus or has been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And if they have it, they're not telling. Interesting. Um, as far as my family side, my mom um, actually found out that she is a carrier of the gene but it has not activated in her because we you know lupus is not just there is a genetic component but there's other things that need to activate um you know make a difference that's your environment and stress and so you know while my mother is a carrier um I feel like my environment and my job at the time um around diagnosis um, or pre pre-diagnosis was one of the main reasons why I kind of you know flared in the first place. I think it just all of it just took a toll on my body. But as far as family members, I do um, actually on um, on my mom's side, there's a cousin, a first cousin, um, and a second cousin 
and then on my um not that it's blood but my husband actually has an aunt that was having some lupus problems I don't know if she was formally diagnosed or they were thinking about it but she definitely had some some stuff going on with her as well um so yeah it's very much um a family thing for me too um but like I said there's some other factors in there why or why it may have not you know I'm, I'm trying to find a better word than activate but I can't really <laughs> no you can't you're fine I understand what you're saying <laughs> presented itself um in other family members um you know stress has a lot to do with it and I don't know what was going on with your job in the midwest um Victoria but I know I was in news I was in journalism pre like marketing and public relations and you know the newspaper industry is stressful you got deadlines and then you know it you know at the time and still is it's on its last leg so you just never know if you're going to be included in another round of layoffs you know it's like hunger games in there you know as far as trying to get the attention of your boss and trying to stand out and then there's a star and you're not the star you know it's just a lot of things a lot of anxiety a lot of anxiety and I didn't I really didn't even have the the vocabulary to say I'm really anxious all I know is every time I stepped in that job you know my mindset would shift my body would react it just would be tense and think if you do I did that for nine months and think about that every day in and out for nine months Mm -hmm. you know looking over your shoulder and that and then you know when I was first officially diagnosed I was in a job that I really enjoyed and I don't know if it's because I let my guard down or I finally was able to relax and then it presented itself. I don't know. But I, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, my job at the time um, had something to do with that for sure. Lupus activate. So, <laughs> you know what? It's so fun. Look at me learning something. So now that you say that, um, during the time that, you know, I was in Iowa, I was in grad school stress okay. to the high heavens oh, yeah. um, <laughs> at USF where you was there you say for a couple of months you know this is years um, you know you can't get less than the B and I was struggling and almost failing so yes so now that you say that I was there you go lupus at school <laughs> yeah because it was probably always working right I was a 12, 14 hours a day working, you know, yeah, trying to, you know, be the good STEM student. Um, So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we need to pass down to our children is really learning self-care. I know it's so much of a buzz, such an industry behind it, but it's very much true. And not just like, you know, relaxing, but resting and knowing and looking at the big picture, knowing that, you know, for my job, okay, there's other jobs, you know what I'm saying? But at the time, Mm -hmm. I had never left a job. I had never been, you know, terminated from a job. Um, You know, I just wanted to be, you know, the good employee, right? The one that kept their job and kept going and all that stuff. But termination happens, you know what I'm saying? Things happen when you're in graduate you know, or, you know, we're raised to have goals and accomplishments, but I wanna, I hope we start to teach our children that, um, you know, accomplishments are not the end all be all, you know what I'm saying? We have to teach them to rest, incorporate breaks, you know, that this is the smart way to reach your goals when you are 
healthy and sharp and clear about what you want. And if mm-hmm. this is stressing you out, there's a certain level of stress with any challenge or goal that you have. But we have to start to recognize the signs when we need to take a break. You know what I'm saying? Or we need to talk about and think through the stress that our job is and ask, is this worth it? Is this something I want to continue to do for X amount of years? You know, and then Mm -hmm. luckily I was blessed to be terminated at the time I was because I was able to parlay that into public relations. But I had to be forced to do that. I still probably be there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if anything, you know, all that is in this generation is teaching us that we really do we really do have to look out for ourselves and be our advocate period um we can't depend on anybody else we have to take care of ourselves and you know that's that's our job mm-hmm. i love I a good say, self-care day yeah <laughs> and i would just close i think my last point would be made you know kind of piggybacking off gabrielle it would be saying no is able to Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. something that Lucas has taught me is to tell people, mm, can you no? Child, I just, just because said I'm no. home in the bed, yeah. <laughs> that I don't mean that no. I have nothing to do. So exactly. yeah, I tell people no. Mm-hmm. And don't be ashamed about it either. Don't be ashamed about it. Because, you know, you're the one who's going to be paying the consequences. You're the one who's going to be laid up mm-hmm. in the bed. <laughs> and you know having to you know be delayed on things that you want to do I just told someone else today no I can't make your pool party honey that's in direct sunlight <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it and you know my son out there too uh, I'm tired this week I've been tired more than usual in fact I think I'm going through a fatigue flare or something serious and um, I'm not going to put myself in harm's way again that would be foolish of me but you know we have that thing to you know tend to think you know sometimes we can do whatever lupus does come with limitations but to live it well we do need to know how to say no you're absolutely right victoria that's that's the secret that's the secret sauce right there saying <laughs> no to people and things that don't serve us and shoot that silver line is because honey grown women don't learn that until it's too late mm-hmm. you know they're tired and I'm just, I hate to say it, used up from being everything for everybody else but themselves. And I'm glad Lord. that, you know, in our prime, we're, we've learned that, even if lupus had to come into our life and teach us that. But I tell you what, I'm going to be a better woman for it. Mm-hmm. I'm and, you know, I'm, and then I have friends who don't understand that and will say, hey, you are you why you not why you not supporting me i'm like if you're not going to understand it we can't be friends so no so <laughs> i said oh and, to your, and to your friendship as well so not in a bad way but you you know you're not, responding. not right mm-hmm. yep yes i have to put some friendships and just and and you know we just we're you know what we grow we go in different directions and a lot of my friends are lupus warriors because they understand there's a language with lupus patients that you do not have to translate or transcribe. It's like, look, today is just not a good day. They know not to take it personal. They know that it's nothing against them. You ain't got to go through the him and hon of explaining. They just know and they leave it at that and they, you know, hope you feel better and they will 
uh, leave check you alone. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and and check on you and things like that. That's why I was saying earlier, you know, I hope people really do connect it in because a lot of us, especially as black women, are out here doing it by ourselves. There's a lot of moms out here who already have children or diagnosed or unsupportive family and spouses that they need community for that support, you know, mm-hmm. to lean on and for people to really understand what they're going through or shine a light on what direction to go. Uh, maybe not give, you know, medical advice, but at least have someone to relate to, which is really, I think, half the journey. When you know that you can rely on a certain, certain group of people to answer your questions and really relate to, everybody wants a support system. And I just feel like once you, you know, have the bravery to come out and talk about your journey, the community is just right there waiting on you, really. That's good. I agree with everything y'all said. And I myself am trying to learn to say no, but I'm a helper. Yeah, I like to see it's 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 a habit. It's a good thing and a bad thing, but I'm gonna get there. It's a practice. It's a practice. (laughs) But nothing's more serious than when you said yes to someone and they're like, you know, not even really concerned about you. But then you're laid up in the bed the next couple of days. It's it's. It means it, it, it's abundantly clear that you start. You need to start saying no. Too many more yeah. times of that, and I, I feel like people learn. You know what I'm yeah. saying? At least start. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I just have two more questions for you, ladies, and then I will let y'all go. Um, what is an? What are some encouraging words that you would have for someone who may have just been diagnosed or had been struggling with lupus? Victoria, you can take that question. <laughs> I was first. Like I said, because, like I said, I was belligerently crying in this lady's office. <laughs> and mind you, she was a pediatric. Um, <laughs> what? She was a pediatric allergist. And oh, wow. belligerently crying with the kids in the lobby. <laughs> and I, I would just say, you know, life, you still have life to live. Yeah, I think that I know that I say that because that was my thing. I was like, oh, my God, I, my life is over. Mm-hmm. And granted, I am extra dramatic, but that was what I thought. And <laughs> I just realized that, you know, <laughs> I was 33 years old, you know, life mm-hmm. go on and my life has gone on and has grown and prospered to bigger and better things as life should do. So that would be my thing. You just have to deal with it. You know, there's what doctors are for. You know, you do the right things to do in your health, but life will still go on. And that's all, you know, my point. Someone is struggling. Yeah. I would say that. And I also would say, treat it seriously. Because when I was young and dumb, um, I was in denial. Because it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. I was having aches and pains. I was putting on being gay and I was moving. I was barely taking my medication on time. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, while we say, you know, do your own homework, you know what I'm saying? You know, if you have some thoughts about your doctor not hitting the mark, but still take it seriously. Take it, you know, do your research and do what you need to do because being in denial is only going to make things worse. Um, So I would say if you find yourself having anxiety around it and you really can't even move forward, um, I would definitely recommend therapy because that's going to help you kind of talk out the, all those emotions, especially if you don't have, 
you know, someone who is balanced to hear you out and not give mm-hmm. you crazy advice. We all got people in our life who will tell you to do some stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, girl, just take this vitamin. That, you know, so-and-so down the street had it. And, you know, okay, well, so-and-so, it might have worked for so-and-so, mm-hmm. but it might not work for me. I so had so many sure. people telling me to take so, them down. That needs to be a, a life <laughs> lesson. Don't be listening to every quack doctor in person and whoever's selling what. <laughs> because you'll waste money and still be sick. And, you know, it might help you, but it's not the end be all. The, the thing about lupus is it's a journey one. Um things that will help you along the way so there's not one thing that you can put your eggs in in one basket you know what i'm saying there's multiple things that will help you and therapy is one especially if you're having a hard time dealing mentally and emotionally you need to be well mentally and emotionally to get through these days if you find yourself like drowning in that way it's going to affect how you take care of yourself. You ain't going to want to take no pills. You're not going to want to do what you want to, you know, have to do. You're not going to be motivated to exercise until you feel you're in the place mentally and emotionally. And I would even say spiritually to say, okay, my wife, my life is worth living. Even with lupus, I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to get up and do what I need to do to take care of myself because it's worth it. I'm worth it. And whoever's in my life is worth me taking care of myself and being around for mm-hmm. and until you get to that point you're going to want to lean on people um professionals preferably to help you get to that point so you can really take care of yourself because like we've been saying over and over you have to do it there might be people in your life who remind you to take your medications and all that but ultimately just like if you have to get up and go to work and feed yourself and all that the lupus journey is for you and no one else not even my husband child I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I've been married to this man. I've been married to this man 12 years. Okay. But mm-hmm. I I had to pick up my little hurt feelings a little ways and say, this is not his journey. He can love me through this, which he does. He can support me, which he does. But he is him. He is he and I am me. He got stuff he need to do. And I got stuff that I need to do. We all have an individual responsibility. And, you know, we have to take ownership. And so... I guess long-windedly to say, if you find yourself not um, well emotionally or spiritually and mentally, make sure you take care of yourself just that way too because depression is prevalent in lupus, anxiety is prevalent in lupus, and it, we understand why giving every symptom under the sun that can happen um, with a lupus diagnosis. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Last question, I promise. <laughs> and then I'm gonna let y'all go. <laughs> what comes to mind when you hear the term concealed scars? Oh, <laughs> think. Um, I think it's just the the things that we hide. Mm-hmm. Like for example, the thing about lupus is you see me walking down the street, you don't think I'm sick. You don't look, you know, I have lupus. You don't look sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what they think. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I didn't know sick had a look. Learned, like I said, so many things about yes. being people in here. You know, I've learned, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm like. 
I'm walking and I'm living, but I'm still concealing the scar of this mm-hmm. disease in my body. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's what it is. I'm not saying that I'm hurt by it or it hurts me or I'm trying to conceal it. Mm-hmm. It's, that's kind of what I think about, you know, I'm walking, living, eating, breathing lupus, but you yeah. don't know it because it's concealed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, along that same vein, I would say that, I mean, um, it's it's something that you're living with, seen or unseen, that you know you're able to disguise. And honestly, um, I think that's a lot of people, disease or not. We all have some scars that we don't show the world. And I'm just thankful that you know you're doing this work and that you're bringing those things out of darkness into the light, so people feel more comfortable embracing what they're concealing. You know, we do what we have to do to live a, you know, quote unquote normal life. I don't go around. Well, I guess I kind of do go around screaming. I got lupus just for advocacy. <laughs> yeah, it, it. it is on my Instagram. <laughs> yes, especially on Instagram. That's my life. But, you know, that's not, you don't have to do that. People with lupus don't have any kind of responsibility to be an advocate. That's just something I wanted to do. But yeah. being an advocate you give permission, so to speak, for people to embrace these concealed scars and come out of yeah. them. So eventually they can walk and embrace their whole selves, quote unquote, scars and whatever and all, and live authentically. So I thank you for this podcast because um, I know oh, whoever listens to so it will be blessed. <laughs> and thank you for having us. Thank you. I really appreciate you both. And I love your answers. I love asking people that last question because it, it takes them a minute to be like, oh, that's a good question. Let me think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I want to thank you both and thank everyone for listening to these two beautiful people on their journey with lupus. Make sure y'all listen and do your research. If something's not right or you feel off, no matter what the disease or ailment is, please get it checked out mm-hmm. make sure your mental is in check don't let these people in these jobs stress you out A to the men because <laughs> <laughs> they will not be at your house to take care of you when you sit just, just, mm-hmm. mental health is real and I really want everybody to just take the time and understand that and I want to thank you both again I can't stop thanking y'all enough for coming <laughs> to my podcast <laughs> so thank well. you for this platform it's, it's good you know I really talked about it in depth outside of individual conversations so mm-hmm. but it's kind welcome. of for me with this so yay <laughs> well everybody that was it for today's episode make sure you tune in for next time on Concealed Scars I'm all for the winning, I'm for the money committee. I'm all for the winning, I'm for the money committee. I secure the bag, chasing the check in your city. I secure the bag, chasing the check in your city. Now they mad at me, cause now they mad at me, cause I got what they need, but I got what they need, but I'll let you in on the secret. I'll let you in on the secret. I'll let you in on the secret. 
Jump on it, jump on the way. Jump on it, jump on it, jump on the way. Bueno. 